Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 41. Today we're going to talk the news, then we're going to dive into the race for the top four, talk a little bit about the Classica over in Germany, then finish off with some Champions League previews. There's a guy I know that's going to be joining me today to discuss all of this fun, and that is Nico Morales on Twitter, Nico underscore Omarales. Nico, how's it hanging today, bro? It's hanging to the left, Dave. Excellent, excellent. I think I'm, yeah, I'm to the left too. Let's kick off with the news. First up, Canada, the USA and Mexico have declared their intent to submit a unified bid for the 2026 FIFA World Cup. Nico, that's great news for you, obviously, living in the States right now. If you're still there, obviously, it'll be a fantastic tournament. What do you think of this bid? Uh, yeah, it's it's good for the, the you know soccer fans of the United States and sort of the development of, uh, of football in the United States as a whole. But, you know, it's a, it's a weird one because it's taking place over such a large area. I mean, we've seen World Cups hosted in Germany and, and international competitions hosted in smaller countries. But, I mean, the United States in and of itself is massive. Extending that to, to Canada and Mexico as well, I believe, is is a, is a huge undertaking. So we'll see how that one pans out or if it even gets accepted. But it's a, it'll be a, a good and bad thing. It is an interesting one. Moving on to other news, Giuseppe Rossi again has, ru- has ruptured a cruciate ligament and ACL gone again for the fifth time. Unfortunate for Giuseppe Rossi, who is such a talented player. One of the most talented players I've ever seen for, play for the Manchester United Reserves. That may seem as a bit of a dig at him, but it's absolutely not. There's a lot of wonderful players I've seen come through uh, when I lived in Manchester. I used to watch the likes of Gerard Piquet, Lee Martin, who was a fantastic talent, and players like Darren Fletcher, uh, Kieran Richardson. But Giuseppe Rossi was the most talented by a country mile. Um, but it's unfortunate, a player that's been absolutely blighted by injuries, and this is another... Uh, knee injury unfortunately as well it's on his left knee not on his right knee his previous four injuries on his knees came on the right knee so maybe it's time for him to retire but it'll be sad for a player with such promise in other news Neymar got sent off uh, against Malaga in Barcelona's 2-0 defeat at the weekend which pretty much killed off their title challenges big game at the Clasico at the weekend that Neymar will be suspended for following that red card Um, banned for two games one for the red card and the second one for applauding the referee in other news, a little bit of Champions League news before we dive into the previews. Uh, Robert Lewandowski will has missed Bayern Munich training with the Real Madrid class just 48 hours away. So it is a little bit of worry, but Manuel Neuer is back. But on the flip side of that, Matt Hummels isn't going to play in that game. Moving on to a little bit of transfer news before we dive into the interesting part of today's podcast. Simeone Zaza has joined Valencia on a permanent deal. And Leicester City may have found the next Jamie Vardy signing non-league striker Josh Gordon from Stafford Rangers who occupy 14th spot in the 7th tier of English football crazy stuff again from Leicester City but anyway let's move on to the talking points let's get this party started it's the race for the top four so with the Premier League coming to the end of this season um, you know around six weeks left of the Premier League season I think it's time again to adjust the race for the top four with Chelsea Tottenham and Manchester City looking like they've pretty much got those spots in the top three 
We're going to talk about Liverpool, Manchester United, and of course Arsenal to see who can grab those that last place and get into the Champions League. So first up, let's talk Liverpool, who had some bad news last week with Sadio Mane um, going out injured. Of course, Sadio Mane, a fantastic talent, but what he does that's uh, you know underrated is his ability in the press, leading the press. Nico, how important is Sadio Mane in Liverpool's press? Yeah, it's both in in the players that Liverpool have lost in recent weeks, which is Adam Lallana and Saito Mane. They they both step out of a compact formation and catalyze the press, as Jurgen Klopp would put it. And they're extremely important, not only as offensive entities, but also defensive entities. I mean, when you're losing these uh, offensive players, you know, it, it shifts the focus from the uh, the defensive team, which is going to be the majority of the teams that Liverpool face, considering, you know, their their status in the Premier League. Um, and it shifts it to, to, the, to the likes of players that maybe aren't able to create as much as, as perhaps the likes of uh, Adam Lallana and, and Sadio Mane. So it, it is a big miss for Liverpool, and it's going to be interesting to see how they can cope uh, without with, with the loss of those two players, perhaps someone like Gini Wijnaldum uh, stepping up in, in those roles. Yeah, it could be an interesting one, how he, how he does step up. Do you think it, it, it will, you know, maybe get back to that level that Lallana's putting in midfield? Because they are very much different players. Lallana, very, very good on the ball, underrated with the ball at his feet. But also, like you mentioned before, the press. Is Wijnaldum good enough to, you know, get to those levels? Yeah, I'm not sure, but it, it's it's more about what we see out of him, like you said, in the closing stages of the Premier League. It's really he has a, an interesting skill set as a midfielder, and I think that shows in the way that, that Jurgen Klopp has deployed him in this Liverpool formation. I mean, the times that I've seen him play against the likes of Manchester City and, and Chelsea and Tottenham and those formations that sort of match up to uh, to the to a similar style of football that uh, Liverpool is playing, he, he tends to drop him a little bit deeper so that he comes in unmarked and is able to make the most of the chances that he does get because I think he sort of is a is a very player that sort of operates in a nexus of abilities not he's not necessarily good enough with the ball at his feet to be number 10 he he's not defensive enough to be a number six and he doesn't have the the particular qualities to be uh, an excellent number eight so it's sort of about him stepping up into these roles and making himself a better player in any one of those three uh, mediums, I guess, to uh, to really influence Liverpool and push them on into the top four and allow them to to get that Champions League qualification that their club desires. Definitely, Wijnaldum does definitely need to step up in terms of his goal. He scored the most in you know the most of his goals in the Premier League for Newcastle and Liverpool at home. So maybe he needs to put a bit more of an impact away from home. Players that have been making some really good impact um, in recent weeks: Philip Coutinho. Since his injuries come back in his last three games, he's grabbed three goals and an assist. He's starting to hit some really good form, um, and again, some you know took his goal very very well and sh- showed some really promising touches against Stoke City but it is a replacing uh, Mane is going to be the key to getting this in terms of um, you know the attacking dimension that he adds it's uh, 13 goals and 5 assists in the Premier League this season averaging about a goal every other game but he's been directly involved in 26% of Liverpool's goals in the Premier League obviously the highest at Liverpool but his win rate as well with Mane um, they've won 63% of their games without Mane only 20% of their games so it shows how important he is to Liverpool I really think there's going to be a big blow for Liverpool and uh, you know they need to think of another way of getting around these teams unlocking these deep defences do you think that switching to a back three Nico would be an option they tried it obviously against Stoke it didn't it didn't work uh, what do you think about the back three on the Jurgen Klopp? 
Yeah, I think it's more about how the team transition from being transitions from being an off-ball team to being an on-ball team in possession. I think that's something that a lot of sides will struggle to do, and it's something that Jurgen Klopp has to be able to do because, as we've seen, you know they haven't necessarily achieved the results necessary against lower fidelity opposition, but against you know the likes of Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham, and these better teams in the league, they're able to get those results, and I think that's because Jurgen Klopp is so good at at essentially coaching a a pressing team or a, or a team that's very good off the ball but it's a back three would perhaps aid that also you know the the better use of their goalkeeper with their passes on the ground but you know a weakness of the back three is obviously that defensive structure one of those central defenders or the center backs that that plays in the back three tends to come out uh to the to the to the wide areas once uh, opponents are able to get into that space and they'll they'll tend to address the issue and then if a midfielder doesn't immediately slot in or someone slot into that role to you know clog that space and avoid from uh, uh, opponents exploiting that area then that's generally where you see goals against teams that play a back three and it can be a very dangerous thing and as we've seen Liverpool's defense hasn't been great this season so it's all about addressing those roles through a holistically defensive formation and also being good enough on the ball to to cope with those teams that are going to look to play on the counter-attack. Yeah, it's a combination of both things. We've seen how well Chelsea have done this season, playing a back three, transitioning to that back five. They're so quick at getting back those two wing-backs, Alonso and Victor Moses, and more recently Pedro, with Moses out injured, been so good at getting back into that back five. And that's something that Liverpool definitely need to um, work on if they're going to move to this back three system. In terms of uh, where they're going to finish this season, Nico, do you think they're good enough to make the top four? Yeah, I think they're good enough to make the top four, certainly. I think um, under, you know, perhaps uh, not better leadership, but perhaps if Jurgen Klopp evolved his his approach a little bit differently, I think they could certainly be title contenders. And with a few additions, maybe next season, they could be uh, a team that's challenging for the title. But in terms of pure quality, I definitely think they're, they're ones for the top four. It's more about, you know, continuing to get the results against those lower teams and as the as the great Lawrence McKenna says you know uh, a bird in the hand is is better than two in the bush and it, when you look at the other teams and sort of they have games in hand on Liverpool that's the sort of thing where people sort of a assume that oh we have a game in hand so that's three points when quite often it's not I mean Arsenal right now not looking good that's exactly what you're saying. A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. In terms of Liverpool, I kind of agree. A few more signings, they could really push for the Premier League title. I think some bringing someone in like Laporte from Bilbao would be absolutely perfect. A ball-playing centre-back that's very you know aware at reading situations and intercepting the ball. I did mention that, though, um, on my Snapchat for the when I did the Paris Marathon. So if you haven't checked that out, go on to my Facebook page. That's Statman Dave on Facebook. Um, you can jump out, you know, you can see me going through the pain and the, the you know, the, the tears of a full marathon. Very upsetting. Finished in around five hours and 30 minutes. Not bad for my first marathon, considering it was 24 degrees Celsius. But anyway, moving on to other things. Let's talk about Arsenal quickly in terms of this race for the top four. Again, it's been an interesting spell for Arsene Wenger. He's, I feel like he's really underutilising Sanchez, Ozil and Giroud in 2017. He's either not playing Sanchez through the middle with Ozil off him, or he's not playing Olivier Giroud with Ozil off him. Ozil got him all those assists that season when he nearly bro- broke Omri's record, getting 19 assists in a single season, by getting crosses into the box for Olivier Giroud. It was simple as that. Do you think that's a, it's a basic thing that Wenger is getting completely wrong, playing someone like Danny Welbeck through the middle? 
Yeah, I think he's getting a lot of things wrong with his personality. He's not using the likes of uh, Theo Walcott and Alexis Sanchez and several players in that squad to the best of their ability. And I think that's largely down to the the formation, the sort of system that they play. A while ago, I was looking at some deep stats for them uh, for a piece, and they're very patient in their buildup, and they're very selective as to when they take shots. But they actually scored at the time a similar amount of goals that the the rest of the top six were were at. And it's it sort of speaks to that approach that Aving- that Arsene Wenger has has looked to instill in Arsenal football club that they're very patient you know they pass the ball back and they make sure that they're selecting the best quality shots but maybe that's not the best approach and I think bringing in you know Sanchez to a more central role is going to allow him to get more shots away give him more chances and doing things like that but also you know shifting uh, a Meza Erzl to a different role to get him like you said more service to the central center of the box and and to different players that's going to be another another key for them and they really have to push on now more than ever in order to if if they are to keep this uh this top four dream uh a reality I guess and again Arsenal this evening losing 3-0 to Crystal Palace with uh, some goals coming from Townsend, Kabai grabbed the second with two Zaha assists, played very, very well in the game. Emilia Jovic, who scored the third from the penalty spot, pretty dodgy goalkeeping from the Arsenal keeper, but it looks like Arsenal now are adrift. And again, like you mentioned before, a classic Lawrence McKenna phrase, a bird in the hand is better two in the brush. Nico, is it all over for Arsenal on their top four hopes? Yeah, quite possibly. It's difficult to see them pushing on, especially with you know the aspirations that the the rest of the top four, those clubs that are seeking to make the top four, um, have. So I I don't I really it's difficult to see Arsenal making that that transition. And you know just to speak to that a little bit, Ted Newton uh, wrote a fantastic piece on Arsenal a few weeks ago talking about how it's not the same old, old Arsenal. They've significantly de- decreased their offensive output. They've significantly increased the uh, the amount of shots that they're, they're allowing on goal. So there is some serious issues at Arsenal right now as if that's some sort of fucking breaking head headline <laughs> absolutely not it's going to be riots on Arsenal fan TV this evening moving on to the other contender for the top four no it's not Lukaku's Everton it's Manchester United under Jose Mourinho who look like they're going back to playing the Jose Mourinho way with a 3-0 win at Sunderland the sending off, though, Nico, was a pretty contentious uh, incident. You know, some people going one way where it wasn't a red card, other people saying it was a disgraceful challenge. Where do you stand on this uh, this sending off? Yeah, as I addressed on my Twitter feed, if you want to go follow me, it's Nico underscore O Morales on Twitter. Um, I think this is a perfect example of how we can start to change the game and sort of, um, you know, alter the game so that players aren't getting injuries like like the one that Seamus Coleman suffered during the international break and such because you know it's not about whether Larson makes contact with the player or the intent or anything like that we can throw all those reasons out the door it's about how he goes into the challenge in the first place and sort of with your studs up and and in a dangerous situation in a 50-50 where he realistically knows he's not going to get the ball or or maybe has a very low chance of getting the ball it's about the approach and if we start giving red cards out for that kind of tackle which I think the referee correctly did then players will alter their behavior it's not about taking tackling out of the game it's sort of about taking that kind of tackling out of the game and i think it's good to see yeah i kind of agree it's it's not a nice challenge and, and studs up it could be a leg break in terms of united's you know challenge for the top four it's all on one man and that is zlatan ibrahimovic when zlatan is firing manchester united are firing in terms of his goals this season massively contributing to united wins a crazy stat that came out today um before turning 30 zlatan had scored 232 goals in his career after turning 30 250 so he's getting better with age and like he said after the game i feel like benjamin button I was born old and I will die young. I 
and he, he's just so important to this United team, whether it's assisting teammates like he did for Marcus Rashford at the weekend or scoring quality goals. The goal that he scored was of the highest quality, a ball from Ander Herrera into his feet and then he banged it into the bottom corner. Fantastic low shot going past Pickford, who had a very, very good game against Manchester United, I thought, uh, made a number of good saves. But in terms of what United need to do, they just need to feed Zlatan and, and play Pogba looked very, very good against um, against Sunderland on the counter-attack, was, was instigating a number of moves. There was three, three or four great counter-attacks that Paul Pogba was really in behind and, and creating absolutely everything in those moves. Nico, who do you think is more important for United's uh, challenge for the top four? Is it is it better form from Paul Pogba or is it Zlatan's goal-scoring threat? I think about you know going forward and who you build the team around and realistically who Mourinho is looking to to build the team around in the future. It's it's more about Paul Pogba and the relationship that he builds with the strikers that United will eventually bring in. I mean, though I understand uh, your your case in saying that that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has only gotten better with time, and and there are a few players that are you know genetic freaks and all these sort of things like the likes of Aryan Robin, who you know age doesn't really seem to be anything more than a number to these players. You know that is an outlier, that is an anomaly. So I think United have to look at different striking options as who, as to who they're going to bring in, and in terms of the future, it's more about the relationship that Paul Pogba uh, makes. You know he's he's built a fantastic relationship with the likes of. Z- uh, Zlatan this season and it's really about how he how he continues that and uh, you know going forward for United yeah I think I, I kind of agree it's it's on maybe Zlatan now Pogba in the future but Pogba for me had a cracking cracking game but also Luke Shaw as well you know he's taken a lot of criticism from his manager Mourinho hey everyone I've been on the go recently Phoenix Kansas City Chicago If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com very publicly had a very good game created more chances than any other player on the pitch and in fact created uh, the, the joint most chances in the Premier League this week and then A of the defender Kieran Trippier uh, with four chances created as well but his game by numbers was fantastic one assist two shots three key passes four crosses with a 40% cross accuracy maybe the road for redemption for sure but in terms of top four for me I don't think United are going to get there I think the consistency this season the too many draws 12 draws in the Premier League more than any other club in terms of their finishing it's not been consistent as well you know the amount of chances that they've missed this season it's been a little bit too far I think the Europa League is the best uh, avenue for United to get into that Champions League so for me I kind of think even though this Arsenal another Arsenal defeat I feel like Arsenal will sneak in to the top four Nico who are you going to go with United, Liverpool or Arsenal? I'm going to go Liverpool I think they have the best chance but in terms of United I mean what do you think about how Je- the the position that Jose Mourinho has put Manchester United in I mean I know you can't blame it all on him but depending on a cup competition where realistically anything can happen especially in the final 
I mean, that's got to be a risk for Manchester United to be completely dependent upon the Europa League to uh, to get in the Champions League, don't you think? I think it's a risk, but if you you know you see what Zlatan Ibrahimovic did against against Southampton in the Carling Cup final, <laughs> I was there at Wembley and United. You mean were, the absolute robbery? United, United that they, were poor. That they United, pulled off. Exactly. United were very very poor, but they pulled off a robbery because of one man, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It was absolutely fantastic in that game. Jess Lingard loves the goal at Wembley. Maybe he loves the goal in all cup finals. There's players there that can step up on their day and really perform. The United's problem isn't winning one-off games. United's problem is consistency within a league season. I really feel this United team at the moment is a cup uh, cup team side. So I think that they, like Barcelona this season as well, you know the, the problems they're having in the Liga, they're doing very well. In, well, they did very well in the Champions League against PSG in that second leg. They turned up for one game. I think like this United team's quite like that. That the likes of Paul Pogba, if they score, score that first goal, the the sort of weight goes off the players' shoulders. Like Pogba starts playing well, Zlatan starts playing well, United start playing well. So I think this, I think this is fine. I think the it, it's kind of a good way because the competitiveness of the Premier League this season is the best it's ever been. So for United to Dave, come your, fifth, your comparisons, your comparisons from Manchester United to to world class teams will never will will never fail to surprise I me. Mean, first, you're, <laughs> first you're comparing them to to the excellent Napoli, that's a possession based <laughs> team that is, is excellent at, at uh, overloading and exploding low blocks, and mm. now you're comparing them to this Barcelona team yeah. that pulled off uh, an excellent comeback. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms, and, and again, Nico, that both of those things were, were very valid points, and this one especially is. United <laughs> are a cup team like Barcelona are this season. Barcelona will win the Champions League, United will win the Europa League. You heard it here first. But anyway, that, that wraps it up for the uh, Premier League top four chat. So let's talk about the big game in Germany, the Klassiker. Bayern Munich versus Borussia Dortmund. Bayern, 10 points clear at the start of the weekend. But the question was, can Borussia Dortmund claw some points back for the mighty RB Leipzig? With Leipzig winning one goal to nil against Bayer Leverkusen with 10 men, in fact. Yusuf Paulson coming back from injury, bringing the press back to Leipzig that they missed without him and grabbed a crucial goal on the 90th minute, plus four. Added time, it was you know crucial in this title race. Bayern versus Dortmund, was there going to be an upset? Absolutely not. Nico, are you going to defend Borussia Dortmund at all? Because they, for me, got absolutely trounced. Yeah, I'm going to defend them a little bit. They were missing some key players in some in some key positions, you know, the likes of uh, Julian Weigel and uh, other players having to play different positions like um, Ginter in, in sort of the back three when he operates perhaps better as a uh, as a defensive midfielder or, or like you pointed out, pre-record as a right back, um, you know, and, and the likes of uh, Schmelzer playing a different position than he's, I think, normally used to, as opposed to a wing back. I think he is quite old. Um, you know, the, it, it wasn't a full strength Dortmund team going to this game, but, you know, Bayern, they're really pulling the classic Bayern and also Carlo Ancelotti form, which is, you know, maybe struggle a little bit at the at the beginning of the season, but then pull it together when it really matters in the sort of the title winning months of April and May. So, um, you know, the sky's the limit for Bayern Munich this season. And, and if they can keep their key men healthy and the likes of Thiago Alcantara and, and Robert Levin, Lewandowski and Arjen Robin, those guys, you know, they can they can possibly go on to win the treble. It is classic Carlo. Carlo always starts slow with his sides, but then they do get running and they do start flying. In terms of the two old guys as well on the wings, Ian Robin and Frank Ribéry, having their best seasons ever under Pep Guardiola, it didn't quite work out for either player, both out with injuries. Both, I feel, didn't really weren't really trusted by Guardiola, but this season they've been brilliant at contributing two Lewandowski goals. Robin assisting five of Lewandowski's goal and Ribéry assisting four of Lewandowski's goal. Really good combination play there between those players. Um, you know, getting wide, getting getting those balls into the box for Lewandowski. But a guy that really sort of, you know, shot, shot against Borussia Dortmund, of course, was Iron Robin. 
who in fact had more shots than any other player on the pitch, scored a classic Iron Robin goal, but also completed more dribbles than any other player on the pitch. In an interview after the game, Iron Robin was asked whether he'd ever change his signature move of cutting in from the right wing. What he responded with, it works every time, so why would I change that? In terms of uh, Ribery as well, if having a fantastic season, Nico, do you think these two guys will push Bayern Munich to win the Bundesliga, but also the Champions League? Can they get far in that tournament? I think so. Yeah, um, it's if it, if they do, it's going to be the second time that they do it. Last time they were much younger uh, and and a little bit more um, a little bit more dependable. But like you spoke to, I think you know. Pep Guardiola didn't fully trust them because I think they were dealing with some consistent injury problems in the, when he was there. And that's really, uh, you know, it's not necessarily Pep Guardiola's fault and something that was unfortunate for his time at Bayern Munich because he had a massive injury to Thiago Alcantara, which I think was a massive player for him. He had consistent injuries to Frank Ribéry and and Arjen Robin, and really uh, an interesting relationship between him and, and Ribéry because at first when he got there and they uh, played the Super Cup against Chelsea, and Frank Ribéry scored, he ran all the way over to the sideline and hugged Pep Guardiola, showing some sort of great relationship between them. But since then has come out and sort of been scathing about Guardiola and his time under Guardiola. And I think, you know, that's that, that comes out of a little bit of frustration with uh, him and his injuries in his career. You know, he almost uh, quit the game and retired because of a consistent ankle injury that he wasn't able to get over. Um, so, so really an interesting relationship between those guys and sort of their injury problems. But they're, they're definitely going to be keys uh, this season if they go on and, and do things in Europe. 100%, yeah. In terms of Borussia Dortmund as well, missing some key men. Potentially Thomas Tuchel just needs a bit more time with these young players. You know, you see the likes of Christian Pulisic and Usman Dembele flanking Abemiang. What talent they've got there. So I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. But I think next season the Bundesliga will be really competitive with Dortmund, with Leipzig, up pushing Bayern Munich for that title. Anyway, moving on to the Champions League. Let's talk the previews for the Barcelona versus Juventus game. So first up, Barcelona. Following that brilliant comeback against PSG, they look good in uh, they look good in that, that game and in the new system. Whether it's classed as a three five two, whether it's a three three one three, or it's a three four three, or it's a three six one. Nico, what do you call it? I think it's more of a, a three four three, but they really kind of play without wing backs, which is kind of insane. Um, but it works for Barcelona because they have the likes of Umtiti and Mascherano, who can operate, you know, in a in a very, um, I guess, aggressive defensive style, as well as you know the the offensive power of that front three, really keeping their the majority of their opponents pinned back, as well as the fact that you know teams have to be able to at least put some focus or put some amount of attention on what is the greatest player ever in Messi. And I think we saw that during the PSG game. That was sort of the idea was that PSG was going to tend to focus on Messi because I think uh, not only the media narrative, but, you know, the, the, the game narrative was that, you know, Messi has to have one of his best games in a Barcelona shirt tonight in order for them to go through. And while he wasn't central to that, I think that was the idea was to give the ball to the likes of Neymar because PSG were going to be focused centrally as to limit Messi. Um, so it, it's an interesting system as the way it works. And I think Barcelona have had that unique experience in the last couple of years to sort of accentuate and deal with how do we get the best out of this opportunity of having what is essentially the best player of all time in our team and sometimes it's maybe not putting the focus on him I think it's it's kind of not putting the focus on it but it's also shifting Messi to make Messi hungry again I feel like when right. he was pushed out wide by Luis Enrique it, was to, it made him hungry it made him want to want to. you know it's, it's like basically you, you get bored 
if you're the best player in the world, you get bored of doing the same thing over and over again. I'm playing false nine. I'm getting bored of doing that. You kind of need to move. I feel that with managing this type of player, you need to move him around, like test him in different positions, play him left wing, play him at uh, number 10, play him as a striker and keep moving that. And right now he is playing as sort of a number 10 or a sort of as a striker in a, you know, I call it a three, five, two, whatever you want to call it. It's a very fluid system with it, you know, in attack and in defense. Um, but I think this is going to get the best out of Lionel Messi in his Champions League form this season has been an absolute joke. Hat-trick after hat-trick after hat-trick, assist after assist after assist. It's just, you know, it's an unbelievable season for the Champions League for Lionel Messi. And it's kind of reminiscent of Real Madrid last year, where Ronaldo carried them to the final, then was injured in the final, but he carried them to that final. Messi right now is carrying Barcelona through this Champions League and Juve have got to deal with him. But Juve have been very impressive in a defensive sense, in a, in a way that they are quite Barcelona-esque and they slow the tempo down when they've got a lead and they kill teams in terms of you know we've seen recently Storaro and uh, Lamina come in at, in wide positions to you know sort of counteract what their opponents were doing so maybe it'll be a good sort of time for Allegri to put his CV in to the Barcelona hierarchy and say look I can do the job for you Nico how do you think uh, Juventus will set up will it be a sort of a 4-2-3-1 or will it be uh, you know a 4-3-3 or maybe a three at the back what how do you think Juve are going to set up I think possibly it's it's one of those things where this is where Max Allegri can show how fantastic of a manager he is. Watching some of his uh, some of his league form with Juventus, it's incredible the way that he's able to to shift the responsibilities and the roles of his different you know world class players into essentially whatever he wanted. He played Mandzukic at left midfield in order to try and combat you know the physicality of Hizaj and and the pace of uh, of Jose Callejon during the the league match against Napoli. I mean, he's so fluid in the way that he's able to. To control this Juventus team that you have to think that Juventus could get past Barcelona but at the same time Barcelona is Barcelona they do what they do um, as to how they'll set up I think they'll go with the classic 4-2-3-1 because it's been so dependable for them but like I said it is very fluid very very fluid and you know Dybala Quadrado and uh, you know potentially Gonzalo goals through the middle that is such a fluid um, you know front three-ish, you know, lopsided front three, Mandzukic may be out injured for the game, so, uh, we, you know, the likes of Shiraro might come in, big fan of Shiraro, love his defensive work, I think he's really underutilised uh, by Allegri, in fact, because I think he should be playing more often, you know, the fight, the tenacity that he brings to this side is, isn't quite there when he's not on the pitch. But anyway, what a score prediction time, Nico, what, what are you going to go with? I'm going to go maybe 2-1 to Juventus. Um, it is at Juventus, correct? Correct. So I'm going to say, yeah, 2-1 Juventus as well. Well, snap, 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 snap. Moving on to the other game that everyone really cares about, and that's Dortmund versus Monaco. We already spoke about Dortmund's strugglings with the injuries, the likes of uh, Castro out, Durham out, uh, Mario Goetz out with a long-term injury, you know, illness. Schürrle, uh, Kagawa, Royce, Weigl, so many injury problems. They're not going to be able to deal with the Monaco counter-attack, are they, Nico? No, I don't think... It's almost a disadvantage to have this first game be at home because since they have so many players out and some that will possibly return in the second leg, Monaco have been excellent away from home. They've been excellent wherever they go. And I think, you know, having 
the first leg be at home and having that possibility of Monaco getting those crucial away goals at first opportunity is a serious detriment to to Dortmund. And Dortmund's system is very similar to that of Manchester City's, except I think sometimes it's a little bit, not necessarily less potent, but possibly a little bit more, uh, you know, defensively exploitable. And that's something that Manchester City struggled with, especially in the second leg. So if they were able to exploit the likes of Manchester City, although Dortmund in the second leg may have the pieces to be a little bit more defensively more solid and counterpress a little bit better and be just, you know, tighter between the lines. I, I still see Monaco going through here, which is I think is an excellent thing because Jardim deserves to be rewarded for what he's done with Monaco and hopefully they can go on to, to win the entire thing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that um, Yardim dismantling Manchester City, I think the same thing will happen to Thomas Tuchel's Brussie Dortmund. Like you mentioned, it's a similar system. It's a it's a 3-2-5 in a way, how they set up with the ball and the likes of Bakayoko nicking it in midfield or Fabinho then feeding Bernardo Silva, uh, Lamar, Mbappe and Falcao. That's going to be just, you know, that's, that's going to be so brutal. This is going to be such a high-scoring game. It's going to be a fantastic game of football to watch. There's going to be goals. Absolutely, It's going to be as good as the Manchester City game, I think. And someone like Mbappe as well. I mean, directly involved in a goal every 64 minutes this season. It's, it's incredible for an 18 Do you reckon... Uh, do you reckon uh, Monaco Dortmund will outscore Manchester City Monaco? Yes, I think on aggregate there'll be more goals in the Dortmund versus Monaco game than the Manchester okay. City Monaco. That's how that, good it's, it's going to be. be a good game. It's going to be a good game. I don't know what I'm going to do. Good set of games. I want to watch both of them. It's unbelievable. Again, <laughs> UEFA just why don't you just play one at five o'clock, one at seven thirty? <laughs> easy, simple as that. Easy. Anyway, easy. to finish Answer things off, Monaco three. Dortmund, four. Nico? That's where you're going for the first leg. That's the first leg. Oh, man. You're it's a madman. Be, it's going to be so uh, many goals. I, I'm going, um, going 4-2 in the first leg for, for Monaco. For Monaco, okay. okay. Yeah. I see Monaco yep. doing them at, like, they, like they beat City. I think Monaco will beat them at home, but they'll lose by one goal away, but they'll get, they'll get a number of away goals. It's going to be a fantastic game. Anyway, guys, that's been that. For the Statman Day Football Podcast, number 41, over and out. If you want to go and check out Nico on Twitter, remember Nico underscore O Morales. Nico, is there any work that people should be checking out? Yeah, I have a couple articles out right now. I just did a podcast with um, someone who has a, an incurable disease, so you can actually go check that out. It's not football-related, but you can check that out. I also had an Arsenal chat um, recently with someone from Australia, so if you want football content, it's there. Um, always check my Medium account out for articles, and yeah, just just follow me on Twitter. That's where everything is. That's at, at Nico underscore O Morales. What's the, uh, the podcast where they can listen to all that wonderful stuff? Uh, go on your podcast app for Apple users and search the ULF, or ULF podcast. And that's, you can find me, uh, or you can find my podcast and two other podcasts that are, um, that are either, you know, European based or NASL, which is a, a niche little league. If you want to be a, a football hipster, I, I recommend you listen to it. But, but with one subscribe, you get, uh, you get three podcasts. So wow. I think it's worth wow. it. Wow. It's definitely worth it. Make sure you go over there and check that out. But anyway. That's been that. See you tomorrow.
the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.